Hi everyone, this is Courtney Drake McDonough with RealFoodTraveler.com, a digital culinary travel magazine. I'm the owner and managing editor, and I'm happy to be hosting another Real Food Traveler podcast today. This time around, we are talking beef, and specifically we are talking Wagyu beef or Wagyu beef. We're going to find out which is right. And I'm here today with some folks from Dallas. We have Katie Bolner, who is with A Bar and Ranch in Dallas, Texas, and Chef Al Havens, who is also in Dallas, who is with Angel Fire Resorts. And coming up later this month in August, actually August 24th to 26th, is the Angel Fire Wine and Wagyu Weekend in Angel Fire, New Mexico. And we're going to be attending, and we can't wait. We're very excited about it. But because I didn't know a whole lot about Wagyu beef, or even how to pronounce it, and we're going to get into that, I wanted to talk to the people involved in it. I figure I'm certainly not the only one who doesn't know a whole lot about it and what's so unique and special about it. So that's why I invited our guests today. Let's start out with just having you both introduce yourselves. Okay. Hi, I'm Katie Bolner. I am with Abar and Branch. Uh, we are a local Wagyu cattle operation. Uh, we have uh, 6,000 acres of land outside of Dallas, Texas. Uh, I handle the marketing and sales for the ranch, but it's actually owned by my dad, Greg Allen, and his long-term business partner, Van Nichols. So we're going on 10 years of operating at this point. Great. Wonderful. And, and my name is Al Havens. I'm also with Abar and Ranch. I'm the corporate chef and part of the sales team as well. Um, and I've been with the company since March of uh, 17. And it's been a great experience meeting Katie and, and the folks and being able to work with the, the, uh, the Wagyu beef that's, uh, that we sell. Okay, great. Um, all right, so let's start off with the basics. How do you pronounce the name of the beef? You know, it's interesting. Um, there's lots of, like, there's, technically it's called Wagyu, but there's, everyone kind of has their own twang to it. But even on our team, uh, the ranchers, Al and myself, we all kind of pronounce it differently. You'll find Wagyu, you'll find Wagyu. Um, depends on where people are from and what they've heard. Um, but I don't think there's a correct way to say it. Um, it's just personal preference. Okay. So no one's going to be shunned if they go to the event or, or are out anywhere and say it slightly differently. That's that's good to know. No. <laughs> We're all getting there. It's just Wagyu, as long as you kind of pronounce those two. Okay. Then you're getting close. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And the, the term is literally just a broad meaning. It, it means Japanese cow. Oh. Um, and that's all it means. Um, within the Wagyu um, name, there, there are several different breeds, um, of which ours, um, all of our cattle are the uh, Tosma breed, which is the Japanese black. And it's uh, 90% of Wagyu cattle are uh, sold in the world, all come from the Tosma breed. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you you gave me a perfect lead-in then to my next question, which is give us a little bit of education on um, what Wagyu beef is, like like the origins, which you just mentioned a little bit, and um, what does it mean in terms of what the cow looks like in leanness versus fattiness and how they're raised and all that kind of good stuff? Yeah, yeah, we'll go into that. Um, so Wagyu is... Um, uh, it's the rarest breed of cattle in the world. Um, 
And it's interesting. It's just um, it's literally a national treasure in Japan. So very, very cherished in there. Um, and how Labio initially came to the U.S., um, you know, it's been in Japan since the beginning. Labio bowls were originally working cows until their quality and marbling was recognized in the area. Um, and so they were wanting to really increase those, that genetic production faster. So starting in 1975, Japan began uh, exporting Wagyu genetics to the U.S. with the goal of re-importing them back to Japan. So they were just kind of using our land to, you know, kind of increase production. Uh, but by the late 1990s, um, you know, Japan banned all exportation. Uh, I think America, U.S. farmers started getting their hands on the genetics. Um, so Japan did not want to share what they had. So all of that got banned due to the genetic rarity of the cow. So we still have some genetics in America, but now Japan controls that. So the, the cattle over here, once, once we found out the benefits of Wagyu, of course, we wanted to start breeding them ourselves. So where all of the Wagyu that is currently in the States comes from is from that original influx of cattle. Um, since then, um, ranchers have been tracking genetics um, all the way back to the breeds from Japan um, and then breeding them together to keep the to keep pure bloods going. Um, we have about 250, I believe, full blood cattle um, on our ranch, and but most of our cattle is what we call an F1 cross, uh, which is uh, we breed them with the best Angus cows we can find, um, which does two things. Angus has a real big bold beef flavor that um, Americans are used to, um, and they also have size that Wagyu cattle don't have. You were asking about what they look like. Um, the full blood Wagyu breed cattle are a little shorter and stockier, um, and so when you take them to harvest, you get smaller cuts of meat. So what the blend does is it's kind of the perfect marriage of size and marbling. You get all your marbling from the <clears throat> excuse me from the Wagyu breed, and you get your size and real robust beef flavor from the Angus. Okay. Yeah, you know, it is. It is just such a rare breed. There's actually only twenty six thousand full blood Wagyu cows in the U.S. today, hmm. and that's like point oh two nine percent of all cows. So the fact that we have two hundred fifty of those is very exciting. Yes. Yeah. So is it? I mean, is it the flavor people are after, or um, is it better for you nutritionally? It's actually both of those. So what um, what that Wagyu genetic does, it creates this very fine marbling in the meat itself. So it's bright red meat with flakes of fat, and that's just the marbling. And what that fat does, um, you know, if you look at if you go to the store and you see choice or even prime beef, you'll see thicker pieces of fat in the beef that you're buying. But the Wagyu, it's just this really nice, subtle, thin webbing of fat. And with that, it just melts into the beef when it hits heat, and it just creates this nice, buttery, just incredible flavor that you don't get anywhere else. Yeah, the fat is quite a bit softer than commodity beef, um, which makes it render at a lower temperature. Um, also, with it being softer, it's um, it has higher percentages of monounsaturated fats, omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids. 
um, that lower is lowering cholesterol than um, commodity beef. So not only do you get the flavor benefits um, from that fat, people say fat is flavor, um, you get the flavor benefits, but you also get nutritional benefits from it. So it's really the best of both worlds because it is more expensive, but you get such a rich flavor and it's healthier. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really make sense, but it's a beautiful thing. And I are are the um, cattle grass fed or grain or corn? So uh, what we do, we um we we raise them on our six thousand acres of land. They um you know they start off on milk, and then most commodity cows go straight to grass, and then they're finished on grain. What we do, our cows um are you know milking for mama for the first six months. And then we wean them off, and then they do start on grass, but we also start an all-natural grain diet about six months in as well. And what that does is that it predisposes that cow to marble. Because we're so careful about the the feed that we give them, we actually grow a lot of it on our own land. Um, um, You know, it just kind of makes them, that six to 12-month mark of feeding grain gets them ready to marble in that last year of their life. Okay. So, so to answer your question, they do it. They get fed grass and all natural grain. Okay. Right. So, through the process, we we started breeding, actually, in 2008, and it took until 2015 to get to the point to where we were comfortable with our product and knew that we had a, a premium line of beef that we could, we could sell and be proud of. Um, along the lines, we had to, uh, you know, at first we thought it was going to be as simple as, oh, you buy a couple wagyu bulls and you put them on land and there you go, that's it. But no, through the through trial and error, um, and the, over the years, we found that we struggled to get consistent marbling. There was good, there was bad, and uh, we brought in a nutritionist, um, Jimmy Horner, who actually works in Kobe. Um, uh, in Japan, and he has for over 20 years now, um, studying feeding practices. So what he's done is take their feeding practices, adapt them to the Texas climate to give us the most consistent and best beef possible. Um, and he's done a great job. It really did turn the page as far as, um, our, our, the quality of our beef. Mm-hmm. And, and let me. This is a good time for me to say I'm. I'm sorry. I, I misspoke when I said, Chef, that you were with Angel Fire. Um, you're not. You, you're with the ranch. Um, so I'm sorry about that. Um, That's okay. I'll be with Angel Fire for the weekend. I'm okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll be there helping out with all the events. Okay. Great. Um, so, can one just purchase Wagyu beef in stores? So you can purchase uh, some Wagyu beef in stores. If you want to purchase our Wagyu beef, which I highly suggest, um, that would be at abarnranch.com or abarnranchmeats.com. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, we sell mostly through uh, restaurants and distributors. Um, we're still a small boutique ranch, and to get on the retail level, um, we would need to be quite a bit larger. Now, we have some local places um, in Sherman and Salina, Texas, that have a few products, um, and we have plans for a butcher shop coming in 2019, 
Um, but none of that is finalized yet. Right now, um, best way to find our beef is to find it on a menu or to find it online. Okay. Uh, and we ship, we ship beef all over the country. So, okay. put it on dry ice and ship it. Okay, Perfect great. Trade. Good to know. Yeah. All right. So, uh, obviously, if they're purchasing from you, um, you know, you're, you guys are the experts, and that makes it easy. If someone is purchasing Wagyu beef in the store, what um, what tips or considerations should they know when they're purchasing? The best thing to look for, um, one, you can look for grades. Uh, we have a grading system that we use um, that's based on the beef marbling scale um, out, of, out of Japan. And we have three different grades. We have a platinum, we have gold, and we have a silver. Our platinum rates 9 to 12 on the beef marlin scale, which is the highest possible. Our gold ranges 6 to 8, and our silver is uh, 6 and below. Now, prime falls about prime beef, which most people are um, familiar with, falls about 3 to 4 on this scale. So our gold and platinum, which is usually about 90 to 95% of our harvest, is the grades that they would be looking for. Um, now, if beef is not graded, you want to check with your eye test. You want small, little webbing of fat in, in the muscle. Um, you're not looking for large chunks of fat. More fat is not always the best. Um, what you're looking for is just the marbling, the intermuscular fat that runs within the beef. Um, and the more, the better. Um, it really just provides the soft, or the belly texture that you're looking for. We also call it a feathering of fat. Yeah. So it's just those nice flakes. Mm-hmm. So really the eye test is by far the best way to go about it. Right. Or trust your butcher. Okay. All right. Um, then once you get it home, whether you've bought it at the store or had it shipped from the ranch, um, one would not want to mess this up. So... Um, right. what are <laughs> exactly um, what are some of the tips for for how to season it how to cook it you know l- length of time and that kind of thing so you don't completely ruin this beautiful piece of meat so I'm a bit of a purist um, certainly when it comes to cooking wagyu I just use salt and pepper uh, you really want the flavor of the beef if you're going to spend an, an extra money um, for premium beef so once you do that, I, I would hate to cover the flavor. Um, but a few tricks in the trade, um, as far as people that want to get out on, their, on the grill in the backyard uh, when they get these steaks home, the extra fat renders at a lower temperature. So what fat does on the grill, certainly open flame, um, is it's going to cause flare-ups. It's going to start. It's going to start to render really quickly. So what you want is you want very high heat, but you, you want to pay attention. Um, you want to get a good sear both sides and then move it to more indirect heat so that you're not getting flare-ups on the grill that want to burn and char the outside. That would be the biggest mistake made. Mm-hmm. Um, second, I, I'm really a proponent for medium-rare beef. Um, I understand people like different temperatures and things like that, but it, it's truly the best way to um, experience wagyu beef. That fat rendering at a lower temperature it, it coats it coats the meat, and the longer you cook it, the more of that benefit you're going to lose. You still get the tenderness from the beef, 
but that flavor profile and the velvety texture that you can get from a perfectly medium rare, medium rare to medium, we, we can even say, um, cooked, cooked beef is just perfect. And it, you really don't want to miss out on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And, and so then in a restaurant, if you were ordering it in a restaurant, I tend to say when they ask me how I want my steak cooked, I tend to say however the chef wants to do it because I figure they know best. But I've also got friends who say, burn it, kill it, char it. I, I'll keep sending it back until it is burnt to my my liking, which just kills me. <laughs> and I'm sure yeah. the chefs are cringing in the back. Yeah, so what? What if you're in a restaurant and you're ordering Wagyu beef, what should you say for how it needs to be cooked? I, I like your way of thinking and <laughs> however the chef would like to prepare. But mm-hmm. um, sure, I know that people are particular and a lot of it has to do with growing up and, you know, just how you're used to eating um, your food. Um, now, at the same time, chunks of beef matter. Um, if you're looking at a tenderloin or a strip or a ribeye, um, when you're ordering well done, you want to think about thickness of, of your beef because you don't want it to have to cook exponentially longer to get to your temperature. So uh, a, a thinner cut, like a New York strip, or asking about a thinner cut or asking for a butterfly cut would be the best way to get anything <clears throat> uh, medium well or over so that you can reach your temperature at a quicker um, at a quicker pace than a huge thick piece of meat that has to cook for 30 minutes to get it to where you need it to be. Um, it just really will dry out the outside, and that really pertains to all beef, uh, not not only wagyu, but something to keep in mind. Um, but usually, yes, take the quality of restaurant that you're in, in into effect, and know that they are professionals for a reason, and they know how the beef should be cooked properly for the best possible flavor. Well, and uh, that's such good advice. And I know for me personally, when I started deferring to the chef, because, hello, they're the chef, um, and they're trained in this, I really discovered a flavor of meat that I had not experienced before because I had not grown up um, having meat more on the rare side. And I was amazed at how delicious it was. Um, so I, you know, people may be in for a treat they didn't realize they were going to have if they do defer to how the chef knows that it should be prepared. Sure, and there's no reason they should trust their next door neighbor who <laughs> may or may not know how to cook that beef medium rare. You know, mm-hmm. they, they could have a bad experience where they don't know what a good experience is like. Very true. Excellent point. Um, let's talk about the, the ranch's name because it intrigues me. So tell tell us about that. Well, it's not the most exciting story, but <laughs> A is for Greg Allen, my dad, and N is for Van Nichols, his business partner. So A far in ranch. Okay. And, um, yeah, so, you know, they, they, they initially bought our ranches outside of Dallas as a real estate investment. Um, and then they realized it used to be a cattle ranch, and this was back in 2008. Um, and you know, they as soon as they realized it used to be a cattle ranch, they're like, "Hey, let's let's try this out." They both like beef. They wanted to give it a shot, so they did some research, and they're like, "Okay, if we're gonna start from scratch. What kind of cattle do we want to raise?" And 
around that time, my dad had gotten a steak from Central Market, a Wagyu steak, and it was his first one, and he loved it. And so he's a big beef eater. So he was just determined from there to start raising, um, you know, a, a great Wagyu, um, a great Wagyu company in Texas. So okay, that was the start of it. Well, when I first, I have to admit, when I first saw the name of of the ranch, I thought. Uh-huh. Well, you know, they often use bar in in ranch in ranch names, but it'd yeah. be funny if it was also a play on words that you had a bar in the ranch. So, but yes. is uh-huh. that the case? Do you have a, bar, a restaurant? When I was hired. I was under false pretenses. I thought there was a bar too. So. <laughs> <laughs> you got gypped. <laughs> um, so, it, I, I assume because of your presence, chef, that that there is a restaurant. smart. I, I never even thought about that. Do other ranches do that? We have, there's a, there's a few strong um, competitive ranches here um, in the, you know, in Texas. Um, there's about one, there's one or two in Dallas, or outside of Dallas, but, you know, it's, it's nice because it's really compelling what, it's making Wagyu a little bit more normalized. Mm-hmm. So, which is exciting for us. That's very, really smart, really interesting. Um so, uh, was there a big learning curve when you when you started the ranch? You know, there was. So back in 2008, they got the land. They decided they wanted to, to raise wagyu wagyu cattle. Um, they were able, you know, around that time the recession hit in 2008. So they um, a lot of people were selling off some of their cattle. So they were able to get their hands on four full blood wagyu bulls from this local from this dentist in Austin. So they were able to get those bulls, and they were able to also get some some good mama cows to breed them with. Uh, they didn't really know about the strong libido of a wagyu bull, <laughs> so they would throw a couple bulls in with a big pasture of cows, um, and they would end up with broken man parts. They would kind of attack each other in the breeding process because they're just really aggressive animals. Wow. Um, so of the four. Two of them had broken man parts. One ended up breaking its leg, 
Okay. So we ended up with one wagyu bull out of four. And those aren't cheap animals. You learned really quickly they need to be kept in different pastures. Yes. So one bull per patch of cows. So, you know, that was a learning curve. And we also, um, we also, you know, we put so much of our focus on the wagyu side of our F1 cross cows, but we didn't put as much focus on the other side. We were just um, breeding our full-blood bulls with just regular commodity cows. And it, once we started really focusing on that side and getting the best quality Angus cows we could find and feeding them, like, high-quality, all-natural food and feed, that's when our whole marbling, that's around the time we brought on our nutritionist, that's when our marbling took a huge increase in quality and consistency. So, really, you have to look at the whole operation and really focus on each and every detail to make sure there's consistency. Well, and the genetics on both sides of the, not only the bulls, but the uh, female cows as well, go back generations. I mean, the detail has been amazing, um, what I've seen from our ranchers and how detailed they are in following how each each cow performs. Um, And so they're able to pair the best possible combinations to produce the best beef. Like, it was something I had no idea about until I came on board. Because we actually track the genetics in each and every cow. So the ones that do more the best, we are able to track that and then continue that genetic combination. Hmm. Wow, really interesting. Um, and let, let's let's remind everybody again, because we talked about it at the beginning, but let's remind everybody again what website they can go to to order um, Wagyu beef that you all have have uh, produced. Yes, it's just abarinranch.com. There's a little orange button at the top that says Shop Beef, and you can head over there, and we have our whole, uh, we, call, we call it our online butcher shop. Easy so enough. So we ship all over... We ship it all over the country. Great. Okay, great. All right, so now now that we have this great background, and thank you for, for that education, um, now let's talk about the event, the um, Angel Fire Wine and Wagyu Weekend on August 24th to 26th. So tell us about what your involvement's going to be there and uh, what we can expect in terms of opportunities to, to taste this beautiful beef. Yeah, you know, we are we're the main... We're one of the main sponsors. We're the only beef supplier for the weekend. So we will be showcasing our beef at all, all, the whole time. So every event, Friday night through Sunday. So you can expect a good variety of, you know, we'll have some Wagyu brisket out there. We'll have some short rib. We'll have, we actually do a Wagyu pastrami. That's really nice. Um, so we'll have a good variety of meat. We'll have some Wagyu sliders. Um, Al will be there cooking and helping out and, You'll recognize him because he will be wearing an Avarin logo, and he's, um, how tall are you all? Uh, six, six. He's so, six, six? I'll be one of the bigger guys there. Okay. Hard to miss. <laughs> Great. Yeah, and so anyone can go up to him and look for the logo, ask him any type of question they want. So we're, we love, we love this event. We love the Angel Fire team. Um, they throw a great event. So we're excited to showcase our beef there. And what um, can you also speak to what non-food activities will be going on that weekend? Uh, I know that on Friday night there's a really great concert, an outdoor concert. Uh, there's the Wagyu and Wine Walk on Saturday, which is just kind of an outdoor wine and food kind of um, tasting event. So that will be really fun. 
Um, Saturday, there's the Boots Boogie and Barbecue event. So, you know, get some country western dancing on, along with great food and drink. And then Sunday's the, um, the Bloody Mary brunch. Okay. So and we'll have, and we'll be, we'll have some Wagyu bacon in that Bloody Mary. Oh, yum. Some okay. Wagyu beef bacon. It's going to be nice. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about that. So so one can make bacon from beef, I guess, right? <laughs> yes, we do. Huh. We'll have some at the event. We uh, take our, our, our Wagyu beef belly and cure it hmm. into bacon and slice it thin. Wow, interesting. Okay. Um, I've never been to Angel Fire Resort, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners haven't. What, what's it like there? Oh, it's wonderful. I actually um, grew up going there every summer, yeah. and it is just so wonderful. It's just this wonderful escape, great weather, great golf course. Um, they actually have one of the best um, biking trail, mountain biking courses in the country. Hmm. Um, they recently built this wonderful RV resort. So um, it's like, I think it's one, it just got named one of the top ten in the country. Wow. They have zip lining down the mountain, which is actually really terrifying, but hmm. it's exhilarating. So <laughs> it's worth it. Um, it's just a great place. It's great for families and friends just to kind of get out of the city and get out of your day-to-day routine. Great. Go out and relax. I think you're really going to love it. It sounds like it. And I know they're offering um, a reduced package deal um, for staying there, and it incorporates um, some of the the uh, activities of the weekend, too, with the the festival. So they've, they've got oh, a very great. good deal going. So. Um, we'll, um, when I, when I go to publish this podcast later on, I'll make sure to include the links for your ranch and for the festival and all that so that our readers can just click and, um, go explore and hopefully make their plans. Um, is there, is there anything else you want to talk about with regards to the food at that festival? Or have we covered it? (laughs) Uh, yeah, we just about covered it. I just, okay. you know, I definitely want to uh, um, just uh, suggest that everybody that hasn't tried Wagyu, um, do some research, see where you can find it, um, try the experience out. Uh, it's it's something unique and something different and something you can't enjoy every day. So, um, you know, I think you should, I suggest finding some Wagyu and eating and going to the Wagner and Wine Weekend and Angel Fire is a great way to start. Yeah. Just because of the variety of Wagyu that you'll be eating there. Uh, and so. you mean, when you say variety, you mean the variety of ways it can be prepared? Yes, variety okay. of cuts and variety of ways it can be prepared. I think Al's cooking it like 12 or 15 different ways that weekend. Wow, wow, okay. So it's going to be delicious. Great. Well, I know I can't wait, and Al, I'll certainly come seek you out and introduce myself since we're doing this interview over the phone and I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. Um, and for our readers, I'm going to come up with um, some sort of fun hashtag for everybody to follow because we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and we'll be doing live posting from the event and um, having that hashtag will be an easy way for you to follow what's going on in some of the live video we're doing and that kind of thing that we're posting. So no matter whether you're on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, you'll be able to uh, be part of the action. But, of course, we hope our readers make plans to come down and um, come down to Angel Fire, New Mexico, and attend the event. So that would be wonderful if we had some real food traveler 
um, listeners and readers down there. So, um, Katie and Chef Al, thank you so much for your time today. This has certainly been an education for me and um, hopefully for our readers. And now I'm hungry, and I can't wait for August 24th to come around. Oh, good. We'll see you there. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you.